Well, I'm excited to get into this time with you today and God's Word and as we continue a series of joining Jesus on his mission, just to say thank you also gave my family and I an opportunity to get away for a family funeral last weekend. I was supposed to preach last weekend also and uh, I appreciated Pastor Dustin stepping up and taking care of all of it because Andy got sick, I was gone, um, but I heard it was a wonderful serve Sunday, a lot, of, a lot of wonderful things going on in and then outside of this place into the community. And uh, that is really what it is all about, is serving uh, people in the name of our Lord Jesus, and that is joining Jesus on his mission. And so today, it really fits kind of well as we continue this series, and, um, and really this has been, and, and if you haven't been with us throughout the beginning of the series, really what it is, we're, we're, we're studying joining Jesus on his mission, and it's a, dis- it's a journey of discovery, But it's not just discovery in terms of what we learn, but it's also about how do we live out that calling that Jesus has on our lives to bring him out into the world. And and for you and I, before we pray, and I just want to, I think this is an important thing for us to remember as we join Jesus. So for you and I here today, for those of us joining us online, for us, knowing Jesus, what does that mean? Knowing Jesus for us means knowing life, forgiveness, and salvation through Jesus. But joining Jesus on his mission means giving those in need what we have in abundance. Life, forgiveness, and salvation through Jesus. And so we're going to explore that, unpack that a little bit today as we uh, take this next step. But would you just pray with me? Lord God, Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together here. Lord, you've called us to be on mission in what you're already up to, Jesus, out in the world around us. And I pray, Lord, that you would um, light that fire in each and every one of us. As we know you, Jesus, we know life, forgiveness, and salvation is ours because of what you did for us on the cross and through the empty tomb. But Lord, there's a lot of people in our neighborhoods and our places where we have community that don't know you yet. And so help us invite them in to a relationship with us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless us. Holy Spirit, move mightily in us today. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Well, I want to tell you a couple of stories today. I'm going to start the sermon with one and tell you one toward the end. I'm not going to mention names. There, there are members of Messiah here, and it's, it's, I just don't want to get confused with names and everything. But here's the thing. Uh, this happened a few weeks ago. Um, I was visiting with one of our amazing senior members, uh, and she's living in one of our uh, senior living facilities, a beautiful one not too far from here, and, and we were talking right out in the Great Hall there after worship, right after we kind of started this whole joining Jesus on his mission thing, and, and, uh, and so uh, anyway, she came up to me, and I could tell she wasn't her, her same chip herself that she normally was, and I could tell something was on her mind, and she came up and she said to me, kind of downcast. She said, Pastor, I just don't know about this this joining Jesus on his mission thing. I'm frustrated because I don't know how to do it. And and then she said something. I want to put this quote before you because she said to me, I can't be someone that I'm not. I can only be who I am. Well, my mind immediately started to wonder. I'm like, okay, what, what, I, I kind of know her. I'm like, what, what's going on? But before I finish the story, I want to ask you, have you ever had a kind of a thought like that before? 
And what I mean by that is maybe you sit in church and you hear God's word, you hear God's calling on your life, and and on the outside you sit and you smile and you nod and you're like, okay, that's all great. But underneath the surface, there is this unmistakable voice of doubt and voice of fear that wants to just pull the emergency brake up in, in the car of your life and bring you to a complete stop. It's that voice that says, There is no way you can do that or be what God has called you to be, much less share Jesus with others in the world around you. Do you you know that voice I'm talking about? I do. Uh, Because I'll I'll let you in a little secret. I know Pastor Andy mentioned this, and Pastor Dustin has also in his messages, but even as pastors, people that, that, that we've given our lives, dedicated our lives to following Jesus and sharing with others, that same voice nags at us every single day. It is a voice for, that, that gets into every one of our lives that wants to deflate and discourage and distract us from fully living out who we are as baptized followers of Jesus. But you need to know who that voice is. It is the enemy. The one called the devil. And the devil is terrified of God's people truly living on mission. Saving the lost. He's terrified. And so we must break his icy grip on that emergency handle in order to fully unleash all of us, the body of Christ, into our community, into our world. Because I'll tell you what. Friends, people need Jesus today. People need you and me. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, listen, um, uh, again, as we start thinking about what this is, and, and we've said this a number of times in this series, Jesus is already out ahead of you. He's already doing the heavy lifting. He's already working on people's hearts and lives. The Holy Spirit is already at work, and so there is no higher calling. There is no mission more critical than sharing the love of Jesus with those people who don't know him yet. A giving, again, giving those in need what we have in abundance. So back to my story. So she said these words, I can't be someone that I'm not. I can only be who I am. And so I asked her, who are you? And she said, again, almost sounding a little defeated, I would say. She said, and at the place where I live, and I know this isn't an exact quote, but the idea is here. In the place where I live, the only thing I love to do is I go around and look for people who appear to be lonely and sad, and I go up and I talk with them. Or I look for new residents who may not know anyone yet, and I introduce myself and get to know them. I had to bite my tongue because I didn't want to scare her with this, like, shout. (laughs) I'm like, that's exactly... That's exactly what the mission is. That is joining Jesus on his mission. You're already doing it. You're already living it. And she looked at me and she said, oh, okay. And off she went. (laughs) There was no fanfare. No confetti fell from the ceiling. No trumpets blasted. She went out to continue to be who she is. A lovely and loving woman who loves Jesus, who cares about people and is willing to invite them into a relationship. So how about you? Who are you? You know, I want you to think about that. Uh, Again, last week I uh, 
appreciated so much Pastor Dustin. Again, his message was spot on as always and just really unpacking what it means to be called out, to be disciples, the whole Jesus calling his disciples. And today what we're focusing on is inviting in. Inviting people in. And and I want to make sure we start at the right place here because when I say invite people in, I'm not talking about necessarily inviting them into a pew in church or into a Bible study. That's both of those are super important and I pray will happen at some point. But today really the focus is inviting people into a relationship with you as a follower of Jesus. And I want to explore this through the, the wonderful story of Zacchaeus and Jesus. And, and again, we need to re-emphasize this. As we study a story about Jesus, we are not saying that you can be Jesus. You are not Jesus. Neither am I. We can't be him, but we can follow his example. And I believe the story of Zacchaeus is a beautiful example of inviting in. So again, I, I love how Bethany had the kids up here today, and you're welcome. You'll have that tune in your head for the rest of the day, right? We're all together on that. Um, but I remember growing up that uh, I, I learned that same song. I learned everything about Zacchaeus, and it always seemed the story you used to focus on that one little thing, that Zacchaeus was small in stature. In fact, uh, we, we talked about him having short man's disease, um, something some of us can relate to. Uh, I don't want to hear anything from you, Scott, or anybody. Uh, I never was chosen for center on the basketball team. I never understood why. But here, I want to give you a trivia thing. This is a side note, but I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, we may not know how short or tall Zacchaeus was, um, but we do know the average height of a mature adult male in Jesus' day. The average height was five foot, five inches. So that might tell us something about how tall Jesus was. Maybe he was average height, five foot five. But I think it also tells us maybe just how short Zacchaeus was. I'm kind of thinking Oompa Loompa size. Um, (laughs) Possibly. Anyway, but here's the thing. We have to understand who Zacchaeus is to let the impact of the story really resonate with us. And again, Bethany did a great job of saying this guy was a tax collector. What did that mean? Just everybody laughing. I was like, I I think you understand what that means. Um, But... He was, think about this though, he was a a part of the people of Israel, but he was working for the Roman government as a tax collector, a cheat. He was uh, unfair. He was extremely wealthy because of his uh, his, uh, deeds and and unfairness. But it's safe to say he was probably the most hated man in Jericho. But here's the thing, something was changing inside Zacchaeus. Again, the Holy Spirit was even out ahead of Jesus during Jesus' earthly ministry, doing that hard work. He was already tilling the the hardened soil of Zacchaeus' heart. You see, Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, I'm sure of that, but God had started doing something in his heart, and now he wanted to see him. He wasn't satisfied just to hear about him. Now he wants to see him. So he hears that Jesus is coming into Jericho, and he wants to do everything he can. He wants to get a glimpse, but this whole parade route of people had packed in already, and everybody was taller than he was. He couldn't see. Now I want you to take a step out of the story for a second, because I want us to keep thinking about how it applies to our lives today. How many people in your neighborhood, in your Jericho, how many people in your neighborhood is the Holy Spirit already working on? already hard at work, making them ready right now. How many people are going through trials, 
going through difficulties, might be lonely, a lot like we'll find out Zacchaeus was, going through heartbreak, stress, illness, you name it, something like that, but something that has caused their hearts to yearn, again, I'll put this slide in front of you, to yearn for something they need and something you and I have in abundance. Again, we know Jesus. We know hope. We know meaning. We know purpose, life, forgiveness, salvation. We, we know the joy of knowing Jesus. And, and I think God is, again, at work in people's lives, helping them yearn for something that they want. So now our scripture coming back into the story doesn't tell us exactly, but I think it is really safe to assume that Zacchaeus was extremely lonely. Again, he was hated by his own people. He was wealthy. But he was hated and he was being used by the Romans. But here was a day that he's going to be invited in to a relationship with Jesus. This is a day that was transformational for Zacchaeus. And and it's a truth that you and I know sitting here today. It's a truth that we know very well that you cannot meet Jesus and remain the same. When you and I meet Jesus, we are transformed by the power of the cross and the empty tomb. And Zacchaeus is getting ready for that kind of transformation. But again, he has to climb up in a tree. He has to see over the crowds. And and again, something that I think is important to understand is Zacchaeus is risking things here because uh, uh, this was not an adult behavior, especially somebody of stature. They would not have climbed a tree. This was something he was opening opening himself up for more ridicule, more shame, more scorn. But I think here Zacchaeus is so passionate, so yearning for what he needs to see in Jesus that he doesn't care. He risks it all. He's going to climb this tree in order to be able to see the Savior. And again, I I just want to ask you, have you ever wanted something so badly that your heart yearned so much for it that you were willing to throw caution to the wind and just risk whatever it would take in order to get it? Again, how many people around you are yearning for community, yearning for real relationships? Again, I I don't think things were going well for Zacchaeus in his life up to this point. He had built up a wealth. He had built up a lot of stuff. But it had come at the cost of relationships and community. And so he was yearning for what only Jesus could do for him. So Jesus sees Zacchaeus. He's up in the tree. And and he invites him to come down. You can imagine maybe this whole parade route of people. They they stop when Jesus looks up. And they go from their their eyes on on Jesus to this little dude up in a tree. And and he says to him, he goes, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to spend some time at your house today. I'm going to have dinner with you, Zacchaeus. Now, before you go any further, is that the point? Jesus wants to be, he wants to invite himself to Zacchaeus' house. Is that the point? Of course not. Jesus is not just wanting to invite himself to Zacchaeus' house. Jesus is inviting himself into Zacchaeus' life. This is about a relationship with the king. This is Jesus, the word made flesh, walking the dust and the dirt of this earth, and he's there and he's inviting in this outlier. He's inviting in this enemy of the people. This man who was shunned and and hated, he's inviting him into a real transformational relationship with him and Zacchaeus would never be the same again. My friends, this is the kind of impact that you and I can have in our neighborhoods and in the communities when we join Jesus in what he is already up to. Hearts and lives 
Think about it, that, that Jesus is already working on, already preparing people who need you, need a relationship with you, and they need to see Jesus through you, and, and their lives will never be the same again in a beautiful way, in real relationship. Now, again, we don't have time to go into the rest of the story about Zacchaeus, um, what all happened, some beautiful truths in that story, but let me sum it up this way. He comes down. Um, Zacchaeus uh, from that sycamore tree his heart is already beating with new life and new blood I again I believe it's like the Grinch whose heart grew three times that day he's remorseful he does whatever it takes to repay the people he had acted unjustly toward in Jericho but here's what I want you to hear about this story and again scripture doesn't spell it out for us but I think it's a safe assumption that Zacchaeus probably went from one of the most hated people in that town to one of the most beloved in his community because he had been transformed by Jesus. You see two things happening here. Jesus invites Zacchaeus into a relationship with him, but he's also inviting him into a relationship with his community, with people around him, into a real relationship with other followers of Jesus. So I want you to think about this. When we think about joining Jesus on his mission, when we think about reaching out and starting and inviting people into relationships, he, he's saying, I want you to look for the Zacchaeuses right at where God has planted you. Those whose lives are empty without a real relationship with Jesus and without us, the body of Christ. The people that you're called to might be just like Zacchaeus. They might be someone who's caught up in dishonesty or materialism or greed. They might be cast aside. They might be marginalized and even hated by people around them, just like this tax collector. But Jesus died and rose again for them too. It might be kind of like the friend I told you about at the beginning. You're out there looking for people who look sad and lonely or people new to your community. It might be a neighbor down the street that's lived there for 15 years and you just never have taken the time to get to know them. But see, the point of this is that Jesus, he longs to invite them into a relationship with him. But he starts by you inviting them into a relationship with you. Being who you are, right where God has placed you. And that's the beautiful thing. When you look in the mirror at who you are, if you agree with my friend's statement that I can't be somebody that I'm not, I have to be who I am, who you are is the very fingerprints of the creator. All of your, your, the parts about you, your talents, your personality, along with their quirks, uh, your interests, your strengths, your passions, those are all fingerprints of God himself. And just like my friend in the beginning of this message, he has placed you right where he wants you to be, to be who you are, not somebody else. He wants you to be who you are to the people he's placed around you, to love and care for them, to start meaningful, authentic relationships. But you know what? We have to keep our eyes open to the very people God has placed around us in our community. And maybe one day we'll get to invite them into that relationship with Jesus. But, but here's where I want to share this, this last story with you. I'll just call it a joining Jesus on his mission Messiah member story. 
and again, this was this kind of intersects so well with this. So uh, he comes up, and this gentleman comes up to me uh, after worship, and, and his eyes are bright, and you could smile and big, and I knew something was on his heart. This time it's a good thing, and he comes up and he goes, Pastor, finally, this joining Jesus on his mission, it makes sense. The light bulbs went off this weekend, and I finally get it. I'm like, well, tell me about it. And he goes, well, I got this friend. And this friend of mine knows about Jesus, but doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And in fact, uh, he said, uh, this friend of mine is not interested in having a conversation about Jesus. And in fact, we'll try to shut down one if he attempted to tell him about Jesus. But this is what he said. He goes, but you know what? That's not the point right now. I just need to keep being his friend. He goes, so I'm inviting him and his family over to the house. They have a pool and we can hang out and just spend time together. He said, that's the point. I get it now. Invite them into a relationship and then watch and be patient for where God will show up. And what struck me about this was not just the simplicity of the insights that that God had given him about this mission, but also the weight that was off of his shoulders As he realized, he goes, I don't need to have a deep theological come to Jesus conversation with this friend yet. I'm not responsible. You're not responsible for the results. Joining Jesus can be and often is as simple as being a good friend, a listening ear, a loving hug, a safe place for someone to share life's challenges, a beautiful real relationship. I believe this is what the Apostle Paul was getting at. And I just, as we're getting ready to close here, uh, I love it in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. He says uh, about the, to the Thessalonians, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, which is super important of God, but also our own selves. Because you have become very dear to us. What a beautiful reminder, sharing our lives. And I'll tell you something, by sharing your life with somebody else, you are sharing the gospel in real and tangible ways. Now here's where I'll end it. I know God is doing amazing things. I know that he will continue to do amazing things in and through our Messiah family here as we explore what it means to join Jesus on his marvelous mission, especially as we look at how we want to put it into practice in our neighborhoods and places of community. And I know he's working on our hearts. And, and he's always bringing to us the beautiful gift of, uh, of that you, we are forgiven, we are loved, we are saved, we are filled with meaning and purpose and hope as followers of Jesus. But I also know that God is going to put into your heart some holy angst, some holy discontent, so that maybe we put into practice what it means to join Jesus and what he's already doing because there are so many people in our neighborhoods that need Jesus right now. Last slide, we've said it each week, something good will come. Something good will come from joining Jesus on his mission. I think we're going to see it uh, on a regular basis. And just like both stories that I've shared with you, it's happening every single day. So I'm going to leave you with this. What's your story? Who's your Zacchaeus? Who will you invite in? Amen.